there are words in the Bible that I, I knew were there, but I, I really wasn't interested. Words like wait, trust, abide, rest, faith, patience, prayers. That wasn't me. Well, uh, the last two or three years, of course, has changed a lot of people's lives in that area. Welcome, and thank you for joining us today on the Solomon's Porch Podcast with Bible teacher Barry Borthistle. Barry has been a student of the Word his entire life. As a former pastor, he understands how to disciple people in the Bible. And as a successful business owner, he brings real-world issues into perspective through the lens of Scripture. Go to solomonsporchteaching.com for the notes from this episode. Now, welcome Barry Borthistle. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to week number seven, lesson number seven. It's been a great experience that I do, first of all, want to thank all the people that have sent me emails or a phone call, encouraged me. It means a great deal to me because you never know how this is going to come across because I've never done a podcast before. So a, a brief review. The theme, of course, uh, has been under the concept of your behavior follows belief. In other words, what you believe is what you'll do. Week number one was the history of pandemics. Week two to five was about what the Bible says, the world's bestseller, about pestilence and pandemics and plagues. And uh, there again, the, the notes are there for you because uh, it'll help you to study and I had mentioned a couple of times that my research shows that within one hour of anybody hearing, whether it be a sermon or a talk, will forget 70% of what they hear. That's why you have the nose. Week six and seven uh, obviously are the two most important in my perspective because they really are the application as to what we should do whether we're in a COVID-19 pandemic or even ordinary life, these two principles are so, so very important. I mentioned that in week six, the key word was faith, while the key word in week number seven is prayer. And if you go to your notes on page one, I quote two verses that to start it off, which are very encouraging again, we try to give hope in this situation. Uh, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, Philippians 4, 7, and pray without ceasing, which means have a fervent, urgent prayer, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. What I have discovered in uh, the concept of prayer is that there are principles in prayer, and it takes preparation for prayer. Uh, and it's very important that we understand the principles in Scripture and the preparation that we must do before God can even hear our prayers. In most of our lives, we put a lot of time into preparing for things like a wedding, a funeral, social gathering, vacation, a romantic dinner, Christmas celebration, birthday or anniversary celebration. So let me share uh, a preparation story that I put a lot of time into it. Uh, I lost my first wife, Margaret, after 40 years of marriage, and I fell in love again, and I fell in love with this lovely lady. Now, you gotta keep in mind that I hadn't done this for 40 years. So you don't uh, 
propose to your hopefully wife uh, just by doing it. So I went to a fair amount of trouble and preparation. What I did was I picked out the restaurants. I, I went there ahead of time and told what I was doing and uh, arranged for the band to play a Hawaiian wedding song. I went to the waiter and I said, no, I'm going to give you the ring and a rose. And uh, if, if I propose to her while we're dancing and I give a thumbs up, that means that you bring the ring to her. If the thumbs down, you get the ring back to me. So the time came and I had gone uh, to the band and they started playing the Hawaiian wedding song. So I um, got up to dance and Ruth was talking and I said, honey, just listen to the words. So we listened to the words and thankfully for me, she said, yes. So I gave the thumbs up and we went back to the table and the waiter brings the uh, ring and gave it to her. She put it on. And then the uh, bandmaster said, we have a special announcement to make. Uh, Barry has just proposed to Ruth. She said yes. And uh, there's about 150 people at the restaurant. They all clapped. And then he started playing, going to the chapel to get married. I tell that story because of preparation. If I hadn't prepared for that, I don't, I'm not sure I would have had the results that I was asking. And so on page two, our best example of preparation is Jesus Christ, who is now preparing a place for us in heaven, John 14, two to three. And preparation is also important for communion. So I want to share with you key principles of any effective prayer life. Uh, I have never been a prayer warrior like my beautiful wife, Ruth partly because of being successful in the business world. I'll be honest. Lauren Cunningham, who, who is the founder of YWAM, made this statement, and boy, did it apply to me. Many Christians, or many people of faith, never prove God's trustworthiness. Rather, they trust their bank accounts to dictate what they will do for the Lord. And I plead guilty to that. That's where I live. Because, as I say in page 2, there, there are words in the Bible that I, I knew were there, but I, I really wasn't interested. Words like wait, trust, abide, rest, faith, patience, prayers. That wasn't me. Well, uh, the last two or three years, of course, has changed a lot of people's lives in that area. So if we turn to page three, I want to give you a summary, and I'm not going to go into all of them because it would take too much time in the podcast. But this is a summary of 14 principles that I have learned about prayer. And I, I try to, uh, to uh, follow them on, on, on a daily basis. And, and I've got, I have to say that the answers to my prayers have been maybe not what I wanted or when I wanted, but they are there and they are coming, and I'll leave the rest to the Lord. Number one is, is uh, a big one, repentance of sin. Now, people don't like to hear that. But the Bible says, if, if we regard iniquity in our heart, God will not hear us. So if you don't repent of sin, don't bother praying. Plain and simple. Number two, forgive your way to freedom. Your health depends upon that. Uh, there's a book by Dr. Gil Mertz. He says about forgiveness, he says, Reconcile, uh, reconcile your past, reclaim your future. Dr. Karen Swartz, a medical doctor, said Jesus Christ 
has an even stronger opinion in Matthew that if we don't forgive others, he can't forgive us. Now, those are two very, very powerful preparation steps for prayer. I want to go down to number five. You can read the rest from the notes. We're on page three. This is very important because I, to be honest with you, I have a hard time getting my head around this. But remember to please the Holy Spirit and read the scriptures and to do not and do not grieve the Holy Spirit because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about that before. And what the Bible says that because that of that, the Holy Spirit lives within us. Now, here's what the Bible says. He intercedes for us because he's in us, because we're the body. He intercedes for us directly to Jesus Christ, who then intercedes directly to God the Father. Now, that's an incredible theological truth that uh, I'm, I'm still having my hard time, hard time getting my head around it, but it's truth. Number six is you do not, you have not because you ask not. And many times we ask for the wrong reason, but asking is very important. Number seven, Jesus himself, here's what Jesus says to us. I want you to keep on asking. I want you to keep on seeking. And I want you to keep on knocking because these words, again, are what's called a present imperative, which means a continuous or repeated action. You may ask one, and if it doesn't come, ask again. If it doesn't come, ask again. If it doesn't come, keep on asking. Jesus said to say that, not Barry. So that's a, a very powerful principle of prayer life. On page four, number eight, the importance of praying when trials come, and we covered that last, last week in number six. Listen to that if you haven't listened to it. Number 10, faith is probably the hardest part of the Christian life. But without faith, it is impossible, which means impotent to please God. So again, podcast six talks a lot about faith. I want to slip down to number 14, uh, the last one, and you can read the rest yourself. Always close your prayer time with worship, praise. The story of Miriam uh, throws me in the Old Testament. Uh, Moses had just led 2.5 million people across the Red Sea, which is a whole another story in itself. And she got up and she led about 2.5 million people in praise, worship, and dancing. And the story is found in Exodus. So praise is something that God, uh, he inhabits the praises of his people. And to remember that nothing is impossible when God is on your side. Help is found in God's word. Then uh, at the bottom of page four and on to page five, I list 12 words that all of us need. And um, the word and uh, the scripture. So I've listed this. If, if you find yourself in any of these uh, situations, um, turn to the scripture and read it and pray about it. Number one is hope. Do you need hope? Do you have a problem waiting? Number two. Number three, are you full of anxiety? Number four, do you need courage? Number five, do you need peace? Number six, do you feel helpless? Number seven, are you angry? Number eight, do you need forgiveness? Number nine, are you, do you feel hurt? Number 10, uh, are you weary? Number 11, are you, do you need strength? And number 12, a big one today, fear. There are some very encouraging scriptures to consider when you understand the, some of the principles of prayer. I want to close uh, number uh, week number seven uh, 
talking a little bit more about faith. Charles Spurgeon, the great, great, great preacher, they call him the Prince of Preachers. He said, a little faith will bring your soul to heaven. A great faith will bring heaven to your soul. He also said, have your heart right with Christ and he will visit you often. That's what the principles are all about. So I want to close with a little, uh, more teach, a little bit more teaching on faith. Page number six, how to obtain faith. What is faith? Well, number one, faith is a gift given at your time of conversion, as is grace. We are given a measure of faith when one accepts Christ as Savior. Uh, the word actually is measure, which we get the English word metric from. It can be as small as a mustard seed, but that's where faith starts. I can't find to any place in the Bible, I'm going to say this, and correct me if I'm wrong, where to ask for more faith. We're given faith to start. It can be just as small as a mustard seed. Number two, how important is faith to God? We've mentioned this before. Well, without it, it is impossible. The word means impotent to please God. So number three, so then how do you take this mustard seed, if that's what God gave you, and increase it? We must exercise our faith. The story of the Roman centurion servant who uh, was Gentile, and he went to Jesus, and he said, just say the word, and my, and my servant will be healed. Jesus said, that is the greatest example of faith in all of Israel. Phenomenal words. Number four, talk a little bit about Habakkuk. Uh, and you could read most of this for yourself, but Habakkuk not only speaks about trouble, he lived through it. So what Habakkuk says about faith is very important because he lived it. He was a spokesman for God. The Holy Spirit instructed him to write about trials he experienced as a vision in Habakkuk 2, 1 to 4. But more important in number 5 on page 6 is the book of Habakkuk. This is really interesting. And I don't think this is coincidence. The book of Habakkuk is the most well-preserved of the Old Testament Dead Sea Scrolls. Let me say that again. The book of Habakkuk is the most well-preserved of the Old Testament Dead Sea Scrolls, and it is all about faith. Habakkuk 2 is only one of the two verses in the Old Testament that actually uses the word faith. Now, obviously, Hebrews 11 is full of Old Testament saints who live by faith, whether it be Noah or Abraham or Sarah or many, many Moses, many, many others. But this particular passage is, I believe, directed to us. And why do I say that? Well, if you turn, turn the page to page 7, here's the key. Habakkuk 2.4. The just shall live by faith, not might, not maybe, not if you want to, but the just shall live by faith. It's quoted three times in the New Testament. And so when you read 11's, uh, chapter 11 in Hebrews, you're talking about all the men of faith, women of faith. They live by faith. But we are told here that we shall live by faith. And so the faith aspect comes into the prayer life. And uh, I hope that... Uh, these uh, 
words have meant something to you, I again encourage you to print out the, the teaching, come to your own conclusions, and and you you decide for yourself. So to uh, conclude, what is faith? To sum it up, well, it's, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Again, from week number six, ask God for wisdom in faith. You're at a spot now where you don't know what to do. Maybe it's a finances, a marriage, children, health, whatever it is. Ask God for wisdom in faith, and he has promised to give it to you. Go back and listen to podcast number six for more teaching on that. And then, of course, the big one for me and for most of us is learning to wait on the Lord. We will not survive spiritually if we do not learn to wait. So we wait with patience, like the eagles do. We wait, wait in prayer. We wait on purpose. Wait with patience. Wait in prayer. Wait on purpose. Well, to kind of really wrap up all of these exciting podcasts, I want to just make a couple of comments that really, really inspired me, and I know will inspire you. We all know that we learn from history. Everything needs a foundation. I quote again from the Wall Street Journal article recently, which said, who will save us now that the monster COVID-19 has broken free? Question. The pandemic has humbled the country and the world and opened up millions of eyes to this risky universe once more. For societies founded on biblical traditions, pandemics need not make for the end. This is a call for repentance and revival. Great struggles can produce great clarity. In the Old Testament, it would seem that men of spiritual resources may not only redeem catastrophe, but turn the moment into a great creative opportunity. And I want to just expand on that thought because I believe it's true. In lessons six and seven, we talked about what the Bible has to say about how we should live. We talked about in six and seven, uh, two important words, faith and prayer. And we all, I, I know we all understand and appreciate the fact that we live in two great countries, whether it be Canada or the United States of America. Why do I say this with such confidence? Because both countries have been founded on what the Wall Street Journal says as biblical traditions. Let's look at the United States first. On April the 30th, 1789, President George Washington, the first president of the United States, when it came time for the big day for the inauguration, he called for a day of prayer. And when he placed his hand on the Bible to become president, he added the words, so help me God. That four, four words have been used now around the world. Later in that year, he introduced Thanksgiving as a day of prayer and Thanksgiving. This is the beginning of the exciting foundation of the United States of America. But it gets even stronger. Then he invited all of the Congress to walk with him to St. Paul's Church, known then as Trinity Church, for a two-hour prayer and worship service. As Paul Harvey used to say, now for the rest of the story. 
Well, St. Paul's, known then as Trinity, was, is located at Ground Zero in New York. After 9-11, the only building not completely destroyed or damaged was St. Paul's Church, the same church. Not even the windows were broken in the church. Why did this happen? Well, the church is surrounded by sycamore trees, which apparently protected the church. <laughs> this is really something. Sycamore trees are mentioned in the Bible several times, and they stand for, or they mean, a symbol of strength and protection. Now, get this. On September the 12th, the Senate Majority Leader in the U.S. Senate read from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 10, and Ruth is going to read this verse. Listen carefully. The bricks are fallen down, but we will build with hewn stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will change them into cedars. That's exactly what happened. When you check on Google and you can check out the story for yourself, that's exactly what happened. The sycamore trees saved St. Paul's Church which during 9-11 served as a uh, home base for all the uh, uh, responding firemen and ambulance and doctors and so forth. One more fact. James Madison, who wrote the United States Constitution, added to the Constitution Isaiah chapter 33, verse 22. Ruth will read it to you. For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king. He will save us. So there are the United States, which has the government known as a republic. The three forms of government were taken right from the Bible, and that includes the courts, the Congress, and the president. So God bless the United States of America. You are founded on very strong biblical principles. Canada. Well, Canada is a democracy. We uh, operate here in Canada under what's known as the British parliamentary system. The party that receives the most votes becomes the elected government. Quite different than from the United States where we don't vote for the president, we vote for the party. But like the U.S., the founding fathers of Canada chose at least six Bible verses as the foundation again, like the United States did, to the Constitution. No doubt the most famous verse is found in Psalm 72, verse 8, which Ruth will read. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river unto the ends of the earth. Psalm 72, 8 is embedded above the doorway when you walk into the Parliament buildings in Ottawa, and it is also embedded in the coat of arms. Sir Leonard Tilley, one of the founding fathers of Canada, chose this verse because he liked the word dominion. The word dominion means to reign. And so uh, that was inserted in the Constitution. Canada, used to, uh, Canada Day used to be called Dominion Day, but it was changed recently. Sir John A. Macdonald, the first prime minister of Canada, also quoted the Bible in his acceptance speech. Other Bible verses that you can look up for yourself, we won't take time to read them, 
that are embedded in different places throughout the Parliament buildings in Ottawa include Psalm 72, verse 1, Proverbs 28, verse 18, Jeremiah 23, verse 5, Psalm 139, verses 8 to 10, and a verse from the New Testament, Ephesians 6, 13. I would really recommend you look them up because it is really quite incredible. So God bless the United States. God bless Canada because we do have a strong foundation. The last thing I want to mention is it's fine to talk about a foundation, but what are our responsibilities to uh, our government in both our countries? Now, I know today there are a lot of opinions out there and a lot of uh, negative ones, positive ones. And, uh, but the, the fact is that we are instructed again in the Bible, the best-selling book in the world, how we are to respond. Now, before Ruth reads the scripture, this does not mean you have to agree with the political party, we have freedom of speech, but it does bring us together to at least support the, the government in, in power. And so here is our responsibility for the res our responsibility to act in a proper, prayerful way to support those in authority over us. Ruth, please read First Timothy 2, 1 to 3. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. I do believe that those of us who are Canadians or Americans or live in either country, if we were to follow this instruction, that we would see a turnaround. So I hope this has been encouraging to you. God bless you all. Thank you. And as I close, this really is my prayer for all of us uh, going through this time. And uh, so, Father, I commit this to all the people who listen to this podcast. Here's what I believe. This is what God is saying to us today. I am leading you step by step through your life. Hold my hand in trust and dependence, letting me guide you through the day. Your future may look uncertain and feel flimsy, even precautious. This is how it should be. Secret things belong to the Lord, and future things are secret things. When you try to figure out the future, you are grasping things that are mine, says God. This, like other forms of worry, is an act of rebellion. Doubting my promise to care for you. I love you very much, signed, Jesus Christ. God bless all of you. Amen. Thank you for joining us on Solomon's Porch. For notes from today's episode or to contact Barry, please go to solomonsporchteaching.com. That's solomonsporchteaching.com. We'd love to hear from you. See you next time.